Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the uh, Ryan D. Lee Show. I was uh, off last week for a couple days traveling to Florida. 87 degrees and 87% humidity. That is a interesting combination for um, my um, California ass. All right. Um, um, yesterday was Father's Day. And all of you fathers out there, we have a couple here on the show, me and Sky, um, know what that means. There is a moment that comes when they lay that child in your arms uh, after he or she is born where a selflessness wave overcomes you, where you know from that point on, like everything you do is going to be about this little person, no matter what. Like your selfish nature uh, is, is no longer going to exist. So everything I do when it comes to work, when it comes to anything, he's the number one priority for me. And so yesterday reflecting on that especially with where my where my past has taken me there was a point where i didn't want to ever give anybody my last name because of how i was viewed um of how i was looked upon i, I said i don't want to i don't want to raise a child and uh, we know how mean kids can be with one another and um and how, how maybe how much they'd make fun of their of, of their dad. And, and so I just didn't want to have a, a child and bring it into the world. And I, that's an incredibly selfish uh, position to take because it's my dad's name. You know, it's my grandfather's name, you know, both served and are veterans of this country who have sacrificed. That name is incredibly meaningful uh, in this world. And um, when he was born and I gave him that last name of Leaf, I was incredibly proud. And to see him grow over the last three and a half years to experience uh, another father uh, Father's Day go by as a um, safe and sober man, that was special. It was incredibly special for me um, that I'm his father and that I get to be a part of that. I know many of the dads out there that I didn't feel necessary to to post anything on social media. Um, I, I think we see a lot of that. It's, it's kind of how the world revolves around uh, these things now is that you post about these things, just like if it, if it isn't posted on social media, does it really even happen? Or do you even really feel that way uh, about your dad? Uh, my dad, of course, uh, is my hero. And uh, he has raised three boys and uh, now has a grandchild and it doesn't matter. I mean, you'd think, you'd think the, the, the boys of your own would be the most important thing, but I, I, you know, it's the grandchild. Grandchildren for, for your parents, you'll, you'll learn down the line, everybody, is what is most important. That's all he can, cares to talk about. That's all he cares to think about. He's going to visit here at the end of next month with my mother for her birthday. And that's all the talk has been about is how. Um, so that makes me proud to be his son, in which I had a son that gives him so much pleasure to be a grandpa around. Um, generationally, uh, uh, there's four generations of Leafs right now, um, which I think is 
really impressive. We took a picture a couple summers ago with my grandfather, my dad, myself, and my son. Um, and that is a, four generations of leaf men uh, and the selfless nature of, of where I was just a few years back, thinking that I wouldn't want to bring a child in this world and give him my last name is incredibly selfish because he is so special. He is a personable treat. Uh, he is kind. He is sensitive. Um, you know, his mom and I are, are doing our best to, to raise him the best we can. Uh, he acknowledges his feelings. Um, I'm a very proud father. Um, and it's only been three and a half years. My phone immediately is pulled out at any kind of function I go to, to show of pictures of MacGyver Fitzgerald Leaf. And that's just, that's father's pride. Uh, Sky has that uh, as well. And Jonathan, you will ultimately figure out what that's all about down the line. But as we welcome in uh, our audience, uh, after a weekend of, of a lot of sports, we bring in Sky and, and Jonathan. Uh, after a, a um, after a Father's Day weekend where we watched a couple game sevens, we watched um, the U.S. Open um, play out here in Southern California at one of the one of the best venues you can imagine in Torrey Pines, and then we got a Final Four set in the NBA playoffs, and that's going to be the question of the day for everybody out there: Are you happy with the Final Four, Suns, Bucks, Clippers, Hawks? I was made very aware that uh, my initial reaction and thought was that these four teams had never won titles before, even though I keep being reminded, and I know the Bucks won a title with Lou Alcindor, ultimately Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But then my re response to them is, if anything happened before 1976, which was the year I was born, isn't even relevant. That's not even real. So uh, <laughs> the Hawks were another team, even. They were the St. Louis Hawks when they won a title. 1958. So again, not relevant, right? So the, the Lakers don't have 17 titles then. <laughs> yeah, no. history, history is I pre, yeah. pre 75 I, is out of here. I vehemently agree with this take right now because it makes my Celtics look better. Okay, <laughs> I, I I just uh, um, that's the way I, that's the way that's the way I responded when people blatantly told me I was wrong last night when I said this will be a, a first you know first time for four franchise. No, it won't for the Suns and the Clippers. It could be, but not for the Hawks and the Bucks. All right, let's open up with the uh, uh, U.S. Open, guys. Um, all the talk heading into it was, can Phil repeat? Uh, can do something unprecedented? Can uh, Bryson and Brooks stop uh, play fighting and kissing each other uh, long enough outside the, the ropes to uh, actually put something together? Hey, for a moment, Bryson led on the back nine. And Brooks was within one stroke on the back nine. So everybody was kind of hoping for maybe a playoff where those two would go head to head to win a sudden. Neither happened. They both fell flat on their face uh, and, and fell out of contention. Rory as well. For a while there, I looked at that back nine and I was like, is anybody going to do anything? Everybody was going the opposite direction. Louie didn't necessarily have the best putting stroke as he hasn't I had on Sundays and in, in majors since he won in 2010 at the uh, British Open but he found his stroke late uh, he made he made a it made a comeback but nothing could stop John Rahm the guy that we made fun of around not being uh, um, 
vaccinated in time as a professional athlete where you can have a chance to win $1.7 million in the memorial, being told after the third round that he had contracted the virus and he had to withdraw, which cost him a ton of money. Um, to be able to come out of quarantine, know his swing was strong, stay in the hunt until the back nine down the stretch, and he made maybe two of the biggest um, putts I've ever seen made uh, at that golf course. So I played it a ton, and where he hit those balls, where he had to hit those putts from, they had terrible break in them. I mean, just a ton, and he absolutely buried them both on 17 as well as 18, and deservedly so is the uh, 2021 United States U.S. Open champion, which I, I thought was – what a great champion um, to do it as a brand-new father on Father's Day, to have his family there, um, and to do it to win it, right? Not Because everybody was falling backwards, right? Everybody was coming back, coming back, coming back. No one was actually stepping forward and getting it done. And, and to have the guy that won the tournament – um, birdie the final two holes like he did in that fashion, I thought was uh, um, very, very important for where golf is going. Because I think John Rahm right now is is the star. The Rory McIlroys, the Justin Thomases, the Dustin Johnsons, those guys are all in there. Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau. This is, this is going to be John Rahm's world that we're living in in the PGA Tour for a long time. I do think so. Wow, there was a lot there to pick out of. I've, I'm still stuck on Bryson. Can we can we go? Can we back backtrack your yes, pick? yes. First that was all, that was that was that was the menu. All right, that was the menu. That was you the just, menu. Oh, well, you pick go, from. We go to you four, pick from the menu. All right. The next four hours, we could we could go contribute just to this menu alone. Um, first of all, John Rom deserves the key to San Diego because that guy, like this is he said in the post game interview, like this is his second home. Like he lands here, it feels like home in Spain. Um, and they've the city has embraced him, man. Like. I know that we we want our boy Xavier Shoffley to to get in there at the end, um, and of, of course Phil being the representative. But Rom is an honorary, so they got to give that guy a key to the city. Um, Bryson's shtick works like a total. I think that I look look um, up until what was it thirteen when he had his first bogey in thirty straight holes, which is yeah. incredibly impressive. His shtick works like this guy was purposely not going for fairways. He was going wide right into the rough on like half of these, but he found a way like him and Kepka are like, they should go work for disaster relief because they find ways, these interesting ways to get out of really bad situations, either get long, set up long birdies or eventually get to par. Um, what we learned is that that Rory is not good. He was so bad at that this weekend. He was, when he was on, when he could get, his two or three strokes onto the green, he was fine. But if there was some sort of disruption up to his approach, he just didn't look comfortable. Um, I don't know. I just I, everybody coming into like Bryson is like, oh, he's just like you know loud mouth. He's blah blah. blah. You have your Brooks fans. I think that Bryson stick works. I think that Brooks stick works. Um, they both play very different golf, and they're both exciting. But at the end of the day, neither really seems like like this, all this off the ropes, off the in between the rope stuff, like you said, Ryan. I don't know. Maybe that played a little bit to the end because. They kept alluding to Kepka hearing roars of Bryson, you know, when they were intersecting on the course and all this stuff. Maybe there's a mentality to it that really screwed with both of them towards the end there that uh, that had them drop off. Or maybe it was just Louis and Rom to win it up. Maybe they both deserved to be where they were. Do you like Bryson, Ryan? <coughs> I do like Bryson. Maybe that was your reaction. No, I do like Bryson. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've spent time with him on the range. 
Um, I felt like he is, uh, he's got his own, he's got his own way of doing things. Right. It, and, and Hey, you, you do what you do, what you need to, but you know, ultimately uh, his way didn't work because he, he missed too many greens coming down the stretch. I mean, to your point, I think his first uh, bogey was number 11, that par three where he shot it out to the right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, over to the right there. And, and then he just, and then he struggled the rest of the way through. He just, he kept everything to the right. When you, once you start hitting it that way on purpose, when the pressure and everything gets tighter, you know, it, it, it gets, it gets elongated. It gets exacerbated. And so it went further right than he wanted it to on some holes where he couldn't have it go right, where he was, I mean, he was the leader going into the 11th hole uh, on the back nine of the U S open for consecutive U S opens. Um, and it's funny because so as soon as Brooks dropped down after that bogey, it seemed like that's when Bryson started to stumble a little bit too. These guys are all board watchers. They all know what's going on. And that's where I'm wondering if the men mental aspect plays a part. I wonder if how John Rom putts, like there isn't a weakness in his game, right? There's some guys on the tour that just smash it all over the place that, yeah. you know, are pretty good putters, but they're not great punters. John Rom's got every, every shot in the bag. Yep. Um, you know, what has been his, let's so, say so-called weakness has been a little bit of a temper, right? Which, you know, Spanish men are, you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with, with that thought process, a little, little red under the collar, you know, um, I think fatherhood is going to temper that a bit. We saw how he reacted after the memorial, after being told that he could no longer board. He was, he was devastated, but it, there wasn't a ton of anger. Um, I, I feel like um, he is rounded into a perfect spot. I don't know if this is going to make him the number one player in the country or in the world after this win. It very well could be. But I could see this guy going on a run where he is at the top of the world rankings and is in every single major and every single big PGA tournament uh, for, for the foreseeable future. Um, I really do. I think his game is that strong. It's that fluid of a swing. It is a real left to right uh, measured cut shot, which I, I know what that's like. My little brother plays it and and uh, makes it very difficult for me to beat him all the time because he knows exactly where he's hitting the ball every single time. Like he, he knows where it's going. I have, I have a really good golf swing, but I can't tell you where the hell it's going to go half the time. <laughs> right. And that's the problem <laughs> for a lot of people. And uh, I can score if I'm playing really well, if I'm hitting it well, but sometimes I just don't know where it's going. He knows exactly where that ball's going. If you look at that four iron on 18 yesterday that he just overcooked a little bit, because of course, you know, when the pressure gets on and you're a little more nervous, you tend to lay off it a little bit because you don't want to at all ever bring it left into that water. And so he was probably he probably missed it by four yards. He hits it four yards less with that cut, bounces off the side hill, trickles right down to the hole, and he has a tap in birdie. What took a ton of moxie from him is to sit in that trap, know that a birdie probably was needed to win the tournament, and still hit that sand shot out to the right, knowing that he would have a chance at birdie. It may not be a very um, makeable birdie putt or a high percentage, but he wasn't going to take the chance of running it down that hill, 
running it by and possibly down into that water and losing the tournament. He could win in the playoff if he needed to at minus five. That was the number that Paul Azinger really believed would be the number to win the tournament, minus five. And sure enough, you know, Louie birdied 18 and finished minus five. So that birdie won the tournament. Let's, let, let's talk about that here, Ryan. You're frozen in mind. Now you're not frozen. Okay. Um, last, we should probably wrap this up, but I have two quick questions for you. Louis, Louis, right. I would trust this guy with my life. Like he's like Tim Duncan. He's so consistent. You trust him yep. with the fundamentals to just get you there. Um, number one, are we ever going to see him finally get over the hump in, in our lifetime by the time he's done? Because obviously since 2010, he hasn't been able to number two, um, that, that shot that he, played safely to set up what eventually was that birdie that he needs to Eagle. Would you have taken, I know that they were t- talking about on the broadcast, like you, you just have to play it safe and just avoid disaster. Even though you're, you have to play for the, you're not going to play for the win. Would you have played for the win there? Would you have just jacked it and tried to hit that Eagle? What do you have to lose? A second place, a couple, you know, I, I mean, when you're Are making you that much, that he hit it just up the fairway with the seven and just played it safe. I missed it. I went. I just assumed oh, okay. when he teed off and hit his tee shot. I said, "Okay, he's going for it," uh, and I had to run. I had to run upstairs really quick. And I and you know, it wasn't it wasn't a quick. It was a quick decision. They, yeah. Him and his caddy were like, "It must have been just too far back where he felt comfortable with the club club in his hand." And sometimes right. you feel that way, right? Where you're just like, "Okay, this club's way too much." Like I won't even have a chance of hitting it right. n- near the hole, right. and this one's not going to get there. Right. So, are we going to you know, see? Him, are we going to see him get over the hump again? Yeah, I think we are. I mean, he's just been too close and too good in these majors. I mean, the most second place finishes to Phil, I believe, uh, and uh, and just ahead of Tiger. Tiger's at seven. Um, I, I think that he's just he's just going to he's just too consistent not to right, but. Azinger had a really good point on 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 Saturday or on Sunday. He said on Sundays he becomes really conservative with his putting, where he's not trying to blow it by the hole uh, or go for those birdies, and he has to be that way. He has to be more committed. He has to be you know more um, competitive on a Sunday when you need to make birdies to win. And John Rahm was the guy that did it. You know, um, he went after those those holes. Those whole locations, especially at 17 and 18, and it gave him a chance to make birdies, which would ultimately win in the tournament. John Rom shot 67 on yeah. on at the US Open on the on the final day. That I mean, that's that's really, really impressive. Deserves to raise the uh raise the trophy. Um excited for him, excited for golf moving forward. Um, you know, you throw Phil in there with a the little little magic at the PGA. Wow, that's that's incredibly impressive. All right. Um, let's go to one of our sponsors, sunfair.com. Um, sunfair is a meal delivery service, personalized, delivered, healthy meals. Go through the signup process on sunfair.com. Once you get to the enter your information page, you need to select Carl Farrow as your sales representative, then select the RDL show, the Ryan D. Leaf show about where you heard of it. And if you are in the Phoenix or Los Angeles areas, you can have your first order at 10% off. All right. It's transformed my life. It's transformed my body, uh, and it's been all about the food. It really, really has. I'm coming up on one year on this diet, guys. I started this diet July 3rd, 2020. All right, we're coming up on an hour, June 20th. That picture at the bottom was me on July 3rd. The two other photos are here in the past couple weekends on Sundays. 
since doing that. I've lost almost 75 pounds simply by eating the right way. These personalized, delivered, healthy meals from Sunfair are exceptional. Try it out. Uh, it can really change your life. It really can. All right, fellas, the NBA playoffs. Okay, here's another uh, menu for you guys, all right, just to pick from. Um, I'm starting to get more involved, right? I actually watched games this weekend. Um, it's getting down to crunch time. The question of the day, are you happy with the final four teams? Are you guys happy with the final four teams? I worked out yesterday with one of the Lakers coaches, and, uh, you know, it was interesting. Are you allowed to he tell us a, who or no? No, I'm not going to tell you who. We oh. were uh, um, we were um, talking about the six weeks off last year, how much he's enjoying what it is to be off now for the amount of time. But he, it's interesting to see the, the, the four teams that are neither one of the top seeds, the Nets or the 76ers out of the East, are in the final four. You go out to the West, you got the number two seed and the number four seed that are in the uh, finals in the West. That game, that, that series is one game down. Phoenix Suns had a heck of a game by Devin Booker without Chris Paul. And now we're about to see um, the Hawks and the Bucks go at it. Before we get into the, the four teams that are playing, let's kind of talk about those game sevens. All right. In particular, Nets, Bucks. I think everybody just expected the Nets to ultimately in the game seven, you know, if you're going to go seven games, ultimately Kevin Durant uh, and with the help, with a little help from his friends, we're going to get it done. But I don't hear enough people giving the Bucks, I think, enough credit in all of this. I don't care that people say Kyrie was gone and that Kevin went for 48 and they, you know, it was pretty much Kevin for four, you know, four or four consecutive games. Uh, against the Bucks, you still got to give this Bucks team credit because everybody was calling them losers. Like this team can't get over the top. When they finally do and get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you got to give them some credit for 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 getting it done. Just simply getting it done when everybody said they couldn't, regardless who they play. They have a real shot at playing for the NBA title this year, uh, and and no one was giving them a chance at it at all. So I I, I applaud. The fact that Giannis and this team and Middleton and, and Buds has gotten there, um, I know it was. There's going to be a, there's going to be an asterisk to it because Kyrie no, was out and Harden no, was hurt. Don't say that. Don't know. No, we do not believe in asterisks. I'm. So I don't. Done, no, good. I'm so done with these, ah, uh, these asterisk conversations. Welcome to sports, okay? People get hurt. I'm sorry that you got upset that your star got hurt on your team, so therefore you want the other team to have an asterisk next to their victory. This is what this is the reasonable expectation that happens when you consume a sporting event, high level sports. This is what happens. I'm so oh, I have a headache from reading tw takes by so called Twitter like NBA Twitter people who are telling me that the NBA can't be happy with the product that is currently representing both sides or that we have to have an asterisk. No, we are all very happy. The people that know basketball are very happy with the, the, the results on both sides. And the NBA is not complaining because people are going to watch. So don't give me that asterisk BS. And if you want a rebuttal, you can. But that's, I, I'm passionate about the asterisks. So am I. I, I mean, this is, this is sports, right? Guys get hurt. Um, you know, they can complain about the fact that uh, 
six weeks off from a year ago for the, for a couple of the champions teams, but the teams that are playing, right. They, they've stayed, they've stayed relatively healthy. I mean, Chris Paul has been pushed and the out. One team that, it, that didn't stay healthy. The Clippers still found a way to win. So just, just a, a case in point because of a guy named Terrence Mann. Let's I don't go. know if you guys know Terrence, but Terrence was in a mo- was in a movie called, um, uh, field of dreams. Uh, and he was, a uh, a writer that, Am I not thinking about the same guy? I'm not picking the reference. Are you being serious? Okay. Yeah. Don't you guys know that? Did you guys ever watch Field of Dreams? Yeah. You guys are so young. Are you? I've absolutely seen Field of Dreams. Terrence Mann. You know that you know the the author, right? The author, the author yeah, that he's got to yeah, break yeah. is Terrence Mann, right? You said that as so matter of fact, like Terrence Mann from Florida State, who's in his second year in the NBA, was also a, like I thought you were going to tell us that he was like a kid in the Field of Dreams or something. Well, still well Terrence, Mann, Terrence Mann has never in the history of his playing career ever had a 30-plus point game. He went out have 39 in that game seven. Yeah. Uh, and Huerter on Hawks. Excuse, how about these guys stepping up, man? This is why – like we we could say we everything deserves an asterisk or you could acknowledge that there were – this is NBA Acknowledge it. That was, that was my whole point in discussing the Bucks. I have to give them a ton of credit. They figured it out. They withstood, they got through overtime, and they won and got to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I am I'm more than happy with the Final Four that we have. I'm okay not seeing LeBron, Steph Curry, Kyrie, Kevin Durant. They are great players. Don't get me wrong. But guess what? There's going to have to be a baton that's passed. And Devin Booker, with what he did yesterday and what you talked about, uh, in, in the up and coming players, that's what the future of the NBA is going to be. LeBron's, you know, LeBron's 52 years old. He can't play until he's <laughs> 70, right? So it, at some point, it's going to have to shift and change. And these are the guys that are going to do it. And this Final Four, the semis in both conferences leading to this place is huge. It's a very important opportunity. And I'm glad that the four teams are there. Uh, Let's move a little bit to that other game seven yesterday and talk about what, uh, where the Philadelphia 76ers go from here. I mean, today's conversation is all going to be about, uh, about Ben Simmons, right? And his inability to just uh, put the ball in the bucket, right? I mean, how, for how big he is, he can handle, he can assist, yes. But, I mean, he, he, he bypassed a sure layup dunk yesterday to dish off. I don't know. How mental that's got to be. And I understand it, right? I understand the mentality part of it. <laughs> but this team could be exceptionally good. And this guy's got $146 million left on his contract. Where do these 76ers go from here, guys, after losing they, game seven to the Atlanta Hawks? They have to trade. They have to try to trade him at least. Well, who's going to take $146 million? No, no. Pro- I mean, a somebody. Team with a trade exception. But, well, there, are, hold, there are teams with trade exceptions. Here's the problem. This, like For a team like the Celtics, right? I'm not mad about if they would want to go and get Ben Simmons, especially because we just traded Kemba, and now we probably need a, a guy who can pr- protect the perimeter. The th- and, but why – But but we just used our trade exception in Al Horford. So now we can't, now we don't have a, the, the space to do that. And we don't want that contract teams like Sacramento teams, like Cleveland teams, like Orlando, right? Ben Simmons is going to be in a position that we saw Chris Paul in when he went to Oklahoma city, where they're going to, where he's going to go to an organization that's going to reposition him to potentially get him to a better situation. If he can produce 
if he if this is the Ben Simmons that's going to happen for the rest of his career, he he has a he has a pretty short shelf life because at this point this is an offensive league, and if you're passing on layups and you can't pop a three on your 15 attempts, like that's it. You're you're just it, you have. I saw I saw a stat today that in the 84 playoff games he's played in, he's only made 10 shots outside five feet. Yep. It, it's it's pathetic, and he won't even take shots within ten feet now. And he and he's scared of contact, so he won't go to the free throw line. It's a disaster. And honestly, the Hawks they played it perfectly. And the crazy thing is too is that Philadelphia didn't play a bad game yesterday. They held Trey Young to five of twenty three shooting, and he still had ten assists. But what they didn't do, they didn't come back and score points on their own end. They had seventeen turnovers. Like Ben Simmons is the problem, but the organization la- lacks a winning culture and it lacks accountability. Like there's nobody there that is on in the locker room trying to hold everybody accountable. There's no voice in that lot. Like Doc Rivers, everybody is is completely ripping him apart because he's always in this situation as the coach. He did it with the Clippers. They blew that 3-1 lead a couple of times last year and then this year now with the, the 76ers. But it's not his fault. He doesn't commit 17 turnovers, right? His team missed 33s. Like that's not him. That's his team not executing. So I think it's it's larger than a Ben Simmons problem, but you have to start with Ben Simmons and address that issue first before you can move forward. With Doc Rivers, though, it could be a little bit of a of an issue just on coaching philosophy because I mean he's he's lost 28 games in the playoffs in his coaching career when they him when his team was able to win and get out of it. So uh, basically an elimination game for the other team. He's lost 28 of those. He's also coached career. more of those games than any other coach. So Sam sure. Look, I, really look, I'm not, I'm not saying he's a bum. I'm just saying that's a lot of games <laughs> to lose. That's a lot of games to lose in, in an opportunity to move on. And Ben Simmons has been, has been trouble. Uh, the, the final three games of the series, eight points in game five, six points in game six, five points in game seven, the fourth quarter, Alone in this series, he made two shots in game one, one shot in game three, no shots at all. He made no buckets in the fourth quarter of game two, four, five, six, and seven. And in 70, uh, a minimum 70 attempts, Ben Simmons' 34.2 free throw percentage is the worst in postseason. I could put Ryan on the high post and against his own defense, and he would be more effective right now than Ben Simmons is for the Sixers. A big issue, Jonathan, a big issue that you brought up, uh, I think it was either Rudy Gobert or somebody else a while back we were talking about liabilities. I can't remember which player specifically you, you put out there. Rudy was a liability against guards in the series. That's why it's here. Okay, so, so Ben Simmons, unfortunately, is a liability, and the, the big issue is, and you see it with him passing up the layups and things, he's a big man. That is his game to make that layup or at least try for it. Look, if you try for it and you miss it, you know, you, you get booze and it's a it's you a bad miss a look. wide open layup, but, your ass is on the bench. Okay, okay. But but you went for what is your game and you missed a shot, which is bad, but you you went right. for the shot. He passed it up out of fear, quote unquote, of yes. going to a line where he's because not. Because as confident. soon as he looked up at the score at the at the backboard, all he saw were tweets and, and sports talk media like right. us. <laughs> echoing the voices of he can't do anything and then he passed it up because he can't take it look you know what we could we could talk about this too about bryson's you know quote-unquote collapse too some of these athletes in in the moment right what makes and breaks a lot of these athletes and legacies and things like that are sometimes when when it gets tough and you're in the limelight they don't have the next level to want to want it and and take that last final shot. Is that, is that a self confidence thing, Ryan? Is that just the lack of? Is, I say hundred percent. Confidence been so stripped out by the public media and by the fan perspective. Hey man, you can't do it anymore. I don't care how many interceptions I threw in a game. I was nothing was stopping me from firing it around. Yeah. Right. So I mean that's that's I mean you, that, I can get I get where your brain. I mean your brain is 
controls is the is the most important muscle in your body. To, but to get to that place, you know how much trauma that has to exist yeah. right now in that place for him to be so frightened to do what he's done his whole life. You know, and he's good remember, at it. Or was if you remember when Rick Rick Ankiel for the St. Louis uh, Cardinals, he was a pitcher his whole life, his whole life. Great call. And then finally, at some point, he could not step on the mound and get a pitch over the plate. It, mm-hmm. it, it just, it's what you've done your whole life. It's so amazing what the mentality does. And that's why it's so fascinating to watch players in high pressure situations, in particular golfers uh, and tennis players. If you look back at the French Open and look at what Novak Djokovic did, that being down 2-0 to a first time possible uh Grand Slam winner, and then just getting outplayed for three consecutive games because the stress and the pressure and the mental side of things, when you haven't done it or haven't been there or have had so, so many negative results from it. Yeah. And Ben Simmons is in it right now. I don't know if he sees a sports psychologist, but I bet that would go a long ways in, in, in knowing that that's okay to see somebody and talk about it because you are – I mean, if you recall, when he was at LSU, dude would score 35 points a game, Right. right? He'd get to the basket because of yeah. his size, his height, and his ability. Even early on in his career in the NBA, he was a little frightened to be outside the, the paint. But getting to the basket was huge for him because he could go to the line a ton. So, yeah, it's I, I, I can't understand it because when things went bad for me, um, I was I had a fearful and, and exaggerated notion of what was going on when I walk into the facility, uh, not necessarily on the – on the field, like I wasn't hesitant of throwing the football. If I, if I knew the pl- game plan and the play and where I wanted to go with the football, you know, I wasn't. It, it probably cost me a lot because I tried to fit it in places that I probably yeah. shouldn't have. But I wasn't afraid. I wasn't. I wasn't just check down Charlie, like dropping back and no matter what, just dropping it off. I wasn't too a tongue of Iloa last year in his starts. Right. That's that's not what I was. I was not conservative. I was not fearful that my ability wouldn't get me over the top. In fact probably cost me a lot more because I thought my ability was probably a lot better than what a lot of people thought. There's the opportunity for Ben Simmons here that I've been hearing this morning. And I actually like this take with him. He is going to play on the Olympic team in Tokyo in July. And there's an opportunity for him to maybe play a couple different positions um, and just move around the floor in what's ultimately an exhibition. Obviously it's the Olympics. It's a huge deal. But it's an exhibition as, as far as it's not in his career in the NBA. And if he's able to go and play different positions and play a different style of basketball, maybe get a fresh start, different coaching, different players, whatever it is, just get away from the Sixers for a minute, uh, he could bounce back next year potentially with just kind of a fresh mindset. If he ends up leaving Philadelphia, that could be kind of a you know a new opportunity for him as well. But I've been hearing that this, this morning, and I, I kind of like that take. If he takes it on – and if he goes for it, I think issue, and I hate to you know question a man's want to or integrity or anything like that, so I'm not necessarily, but it's a matter of like work ethic and does he actually want to maybe move aside and try something different that maybe he hasn't been doing most of his career, which is going to be tough, but it might enhance his career moving forward. The problem, So I'm going to play devil's advocate here just, just for a sec. It made me, made me look like a dick, but whatever. Um <laughs> He he does not play well with stars, right? Joel, this was Joel Embiid's team when, as soon as Joel got back from injury and Ben Simmons was on the court, that was really when we started to see a note, a tangible change in the way that Ben Simmons played. He started to be a lot, a little bit more passive. He wasn't, he he just, he just didn't display the toughness 
that we expected from him out of college once he started playing with Joel and the game went or the, the team was basically handed to Embiid, right? And so I'm worried, right? Dame Lillard is going to be on this Olympic team. Jason Tatum is going to be on this Olympic team. Harden. 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 Beal, I mean, there's mm-hmm. going to be – Kevin Durant might be on it. There are going to be existing stars. There are go- Devin Booker, there are going to be stars, rising stars, and there are going to be guys who are trying to um, – who, like, we all know of that are going to want to get their name on a bigger stage. This could be really good for Ben Simmons, like you said, because the pressure of the stars surrounding him – may elevate his game, may motivate him to have a stronger work ethic. Maybe he'll learn something about mental toughness from Dame and from Jason, like from these guys out there. Or maybe we'll see an exaggeration of what we've seen from him when he's played with stars in the past. And we're going to see him play passive. And he's not going to be motivated. He's going to get unmotivated because he realizes maybe what it takes to have to get to that level. Maybe he just isn't in that place right now within himself to get there. I don't know. So I, I just think that, you know, it, it, it could be taken as a really positive uh, opportunity for him, but it, I think it could also ultimately hurt him. I think he's going to end up going to a team where there's no star, where he they could just force feed it to him and try to get him his confidence back when he's out of Philadelphia. Well, it should be an interesting uh, offseason for the 76ers. Daryl Morey, uh, Doc Rivers, that team, and where it goes, going from the number one seed and the terrible loss to the Toronto Raptors a couple years ago. Uh, this team uh, is in need of an injection of, of confidence and hope. Uh, the city got to experience what, what Philadelphia fans are used to experiencing. All right. You know what they need, Ryan? They need some, uh, they need some athletic brew is what they need. They need to enjoy brew without compromise. Enjoy the taste of great uh, beer taste without the consequences. No, no reason to double down on getting beaten game seven like that and then be uh, unable to walk and, and be coherent today, right? Athletic brew, uh, non-alcoholic brews for you and your boys. Uh, after your team, uh, I know you want to numb things away. That's not going to help anybody. It's not going to help anybody. Drink the great taste, the light-filling taste of athletic brew. Go to athletic, athleticbrewing.com. Get 10% off your first order when you mention the RDL show. Try it now. All right, moving on. I know we've talked about fan behavior uh, and the fighting. And uh, as you saw last night in the 76ers game, when it was out of reach, uh, a bottle flew onto the floor. They had to stop making an announcement. Um, After the individual in Boston was arrested and charged with a felony, how are these fans continuing to throw bottles because even though it didn't hit anybody, it had the chance of hitting somebody and hurting him. So if that fan was caught, he would be charged with a felony assault. Um, I don't get it. We talked about being away from the game for as long as people have, and maybe the maladjustment period of what it means to be a patron or a fan at these events. But we're watching it play out in real time. And the reason I bring this story up is because I had a question for you guys in terms of are the teams complicit and um, are they enabling in any way? Because when you look at the football side of things and the safety of it, right, some of these big, some of the bigger hits over the last few years, NFL.com, was throwing those hits up on their highlight videos, right? Ones that ultimately 
uh, were considered illegal and could be causing brain trauma to their fellow peers. But the NFL was placing those on their highlight reels, right? Um, because they know that's what people like. Uh, the juxtaposition of what the NFL is placed in between, uh, talking about the safety and wellness of players, yet knowing it's a very violent sport and wanting it to be that way for the fan base, is, is totally incongruent with one another. And therefore, this Sunday, when we watch the fight take place after the Clippers-Suns game by a bunch of bros uh, getting down, one of the guys yelling to the Clippers fan as they started getting into a conflict, Suns in four. The reason why that's such a big thing right now is because, if you recall correctly, a few weeks back, the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix, or it was the Phoenix Nuggets, Suns Jazz, and, and the Nuggets were playing one another. Yep. And uh, a Phoenix and, and a, a Nuggets fan poured a beer on top of the Suns fan. The Suns fan then retaliated with violence with a couple punches and some um, uh, some some physical action. And then as he was being pulled away, uh, yelled out sons and four. Now it became a viral video like anything these days. But what the sons did in this process is they cut it up. They gave this guy a platform. They gave him free tickets, kind of made him a star. And then yesterday promoted it by giving everybody shirts that said sons and four. Now, they had some plausible deniability in all this saying, we just want the sons and four, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not directly attributed <laughs> to the asshole marketing department, Ryan. What right. Is, this is such a, have you seen the sun's Twitter too? They are so savage. They're this, they, to be honest no. with you. Okay. I have, I have a problem with it because it led to something negative, but if there was no fight that happened with fans chanting sons and four, I don't think I would be as that upset about it. Cause I do think, that this is a brilliant marketing scheme for this organization, even though they may be amplifying a situation that shouldn't be brought to light in a positive way. Well, it worked. I mean, they just swept the MVP. That's huge. But unfortunately, it's retaliated in uh, two cases now of violence. And it sounds like the NBA and certainly Phoenix, with all that hot weather, could use a couple athletic brews, but, I'm sure. <laughs> but here's – I mean, look, here's the truth. Like – we can look. Did, is Fien, is are the Suns complicit? Maybe is Devin Booker complicit? Absolutely, because he was the one who on the who Bleacher Report tweeted, yeah. retweeted him and said, "I want to buy this, that that Suns." And then Richard Jefferson, former NBA player, current ESPN analyst, responded and said, "This is sets a very bad precedent." To which Devin Booker commented back on Instagram and said, "Cry about it, old man." So yes, Devin Booker is complicit in in in, in the fan base's actions. Should he be like, maybe they should tell him to stop. Should they penalize him in any way? This guy's a kid, right? He's getting lost in the, in the like maturity comes after the fact, unfortunately, with a lot of this stuff. Um, well, and, and I also think that we need like fan, this is a fan thing. Like we're adults, like be better. I go, I went to, not, I went to, there is a high school game in San Diego, a state championship basketball game at Coronado high school down South. A lot of army families playing orange Glen a school in Escondido with a lot of Hispanic families. Coronado won, and some of the fans in the stand started throwing tortillas at the Orange Gen players, and a fight broke out after. If it's it, 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 this is not an except. This is not a professional exception. This happens at every level of the game. Yeah. Like if we're if it's happening, if I'm watching fans getting the fist fights over high school sports, 
it's going to be amplified at the professional level when everybody's drunk and, and, and being fed into the energy. Right. And so I don't know. I think that these situations are not mutually exclusive to the bigger overall problem, which is what do we have to do to get a sense of, of um, just like fan etiquette? Like how is, how are we not getting that? fan John, etiquette? Yes. Yeah, finish your thoughts. Sorry. I'm all fired up. I'll wait for it. <laughs> Let's see it. Let's see it. I want to unleash you. Let's hear it. It's well, unfortunately, I mean, my tires are a little deflated uh, only because I did this. What Monday was it? Or whenever Wednesday when you and I popped on and I had a 15 minute rant about, (laughs) you know, fan, you know, fans. And we're talking, I was talking minor league baseball, right? But I've been in youth sports for 20 years and fans at youth sports are the worst. Parents are the worst. Parents are the worst, right? I've been in charge of leagues. I've put all sorts of leagues together. I've coached. I've refed forever. Parents in youth sports are absolutely horrendous. And it doesn't matter because we've set up this precedent at the professional level, which everybody sees, and then it trickles down to college and high school and then then, uh, youth sports, that it's okay for some reason. Somewhere down the line of, of sports. It's been okay to chastise these people, call them names, make fun of them, uh, make signs that are incredibly offensive, um, and crossing all sorts of other social norm barriers. But because it's in sports, it's just it's become normalized and okay most of the time. You know, even like mascots and 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 these kind of things and stuff. And a lot of people will be like, it's tradition. That's how we do it. We have rivalries, whatever. I, I have a whole nother take on, on rivalries because most of them are and bullshit tradition. because we'll see how tradition is changing. Because well, it's stupid because 99% of these people, especially college kids are around for maybe four years of these traditions, quote unquote. And very rarely are they actually a tradition, which is back and forth and one team beating another team for right. decades and decades until it changes over. So I get fired up on this because it's, it's bummed me. And my whole take last week was it's kind of ruined me as a sports nerd my entire life, taking my kids out to the games and stuff. I, I just straight up don't want to go. I love the sport, but I, I can't handle fans. And maybe I'm just the grumpy old guy now that doesn't want to hear it, but it straight up ruined the sports for me live. And we're seeing it more and more and more on television with these high-profile games, and nothing is being done about it. A right. guy got a felony, big deal. Like, it's going to keep happening. What, what do you guys think about the guy who ran out on the Torrey Pines green yesterday and got a few golf shots off before they tackled him on the 13? He's got – he had incredible form. I tell you what, though. <laughs> oh, so you were judging – Yeah, were, why not Why not do it? Well, yeah, why that not was, do it? No, that was it, – it, there was really good hip replacement and follow-through. I mean, I would, I would kill for that swing right now. I feel very constricted in my go- golf swing right now, and I feel like I – I have all this momentum going forward, and I stop myself. And he just had – he had a ton of fluidity and mobility getting through that golf swing. Helping, I think the adrenaline was helping him a little bit there, I, w- I will say. I don't know. I have a lot of adrenaline going. I can't get through a golf shot, you know. It's just – it's a mental block. And and he he was free. He was free. And uh, I loved it, you know. Hey, it's not on a golf course. I can right. Get so, so, wait. So, okay. So, let me ask you. Is there a double standard? Because we're okay with a, golf, a, a fan in a Torrey Pines going and hitting a couple of shots because it's not putting the players at a detriment. I'm also – I'm also not – I don't have a – I don't have a – I don't – you know, I just – I look at a – yeah, he's stupid, right? I look at a, a fan or or somebody at a soccer match, like running, rushing the field, rushing the field, you know, or or streaking or something like that. I'm just like, ah, it's stupid. It's stupid. They're not hurting anybody. I mean, when we're talking about when we're talking about violence, right? That's that's a different conversation, and that's the one that that. Uh, and, and Richard Jefferson's right. And the only thing reason Richard Jefferson has this perspective, and the reason why I have this perspective, and why. 
people may think I'm just overly sensitive is because what just the exp life experiences we've had. And we like, it's, that's a dangerous thing for Devin Booker. It's a dangerous thing for Brooks Kepka to give a bunch of beers to guys that got kicked up the golf course for intimidating and trolling uh, Bryson DeChambeau, right? Th that's, that's, that's a, that could present a problem. You don't understand the consequences that can come with that. And we watched two of them play, uh, play out last night with that fight in Phoenix, where these bros just decide to go all, you know, Phoenix and four, and maybe he gets a retweet uh, and a thumbs up from Devin Booker exactly. and gets some free tickets and becomes a star exactly. there in Phoenix. So there is, there is complicity so what's to the it. Solution? What's the solution? Is there a proposal? Because So, for example, Mexico, the Mexico national team, their fans had an anti-gay chant that they were consistently chanting. The, the team, the, the, the national team literally pleaded every single, before every match for them to stop, and they didn't. So they just banned fans. They are not allowing fans to Mexican national games now. And that was the team's decision. The team asked them to stop. That's and they legit. Stop, That's right? legit. So, that, so that, is, that is significant co consequences. So do Doing take, something. So do we take that as an example into the problems that we're having? Well, yeah. I mean, this this has been a commentary ever since some of those, the bottles thrown at Kyrie and things like that nature. Like, fans just got back. And guess what? The fans are going to be the reason why the fans are gone this time, not COVID. I agree. I agree. You know? I agree. That's a, that's a, It's an incredible uh, consequence to have. Uh, it I, Now, I, are the are the owners and organizations willing to do that? Because that's their good. I mean, that's their that's their money, man. That's no. Nope. They, they need beers, <laughs> merchandise. That's what they want. Nope. I'm going. I'm going to the. My Cubs are in town this week. I got nice. I got series tickets. I got tickets for Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday afternoon. Right. I'm going to wow. be in a, in my Cubs garb, right behind the dugout, cheering on Rizzo and Bryant, my guys. Uh, Jock Peterson back in his uh, Chavez Ravine since. Uh, where he started his career, yeah. you know, you know, people may not be very happy with me, right? If they, you know, I'm, I'm not. You're used to that, though, so it's okay. But it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what they do either. Like if somebody yeah. threw a beer on me, right? If somebody threw a beer on me, I, I can't turn around and, and wallop the guy in the face, right? I just, what, what's your response to that, right? It's, it's like, all right, I'm gonna call the usher over here, and you know, this individual. Uh, threw a beer on me. Can you have him escorted out? If the usher goes, hey, I work for the Dodgers. He's a fucking Dodger fan. Fuck you, Cubby. Get the fuck out of here. That's you know, there's some enabling and uh, then you punch it, the right? usher. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna punch the usher. Then I'm just gonna be like, all right. I guess I gotta go. Yes, I gotta go home to go watch my favorite team play in the opposing team stadium. That's what the, that's what this sounds just, like to me now. It's just so you're the um, one getting penalized for getting the beer thrown on you. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a joke. We can go on this forever, but I think at the old at the end of the day, for me, it's a it's a human thing. It's a human thing. It and is. You would you would never walk up to somebody on the street wearing a a Cubs hat in L.A. and just you know randomly go after them or something like that. I mean, people do it obviously. Not but, any. Of and not my, my my Giants unfortunately had one. Right, this guy got literally beat within inches of his life after the game wearing Giants stuff in L.A. The guy was yeah. almost killed because he showed up to the game rep repping his team. You know, I mean, it, uh, it just – I'm fired up, man. It, it's frustrating because it, it burns the sport for people that go and love the sport in the game. It's unsafe for kids to be there. And, look, I know we're talking, like, post-COVID and people are back and excited and what do we do, like, as of two months ago. You know, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh There Steelers, should be a ton of gratitude. 
There should be a ton of gratitude in these fans' hearts right now. People, Not- the majority of people take life for granted, Ryan. I'm learning this. Like yes. this is proof of that. It's very sad. Like instead of instead of sh- showing how our appreciation for the ability to be able to go and participate in these sports from an amazing perspective that we were stripped of for a year, it's we're going to be back. We're going to be rowdier than ever. We're going to be a bunch of assholes to everybody else. It's Stupid. it's it's the opposite of, of what should be happening. You could be a, super rowdy and not be there's an a, asshole. There's a there's a. Uh, there's a TikTok reel of two couples on like the log ride at Disneyland. Okay. And I just want, it, this is real time reaction from a man in, with, with toxic masculinity. All right. The girl is completely kidding, but um, you know, this, she's like, this ride's going to make me wet. And, and uh, she says back, it's like, it better because you can't. And the reaction in the guy's face when he hears it and it's being filmed, like his whole manhood has been stripped from him. It's just like, he's like, not a fucking public woman. And then, and then he's like, that's bullshit. You know, I make you wet. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it is, your brain goes nonsense when you feel triggered. And if, if you are in these moments where you're not uh, able to handle something in a positive and healthy way, like just fucking wall off and punch somebody, you see the guy who ran up and smoked the Padres guy? Yeah. Uh, that, that one yeah. too? I mean, it's – we can't – we could talk about this forever. Fucking be better human beings, people. Go watch the game. Cheer your team on. That's if you lose, story. shake their hand. Good game. We'll see you tomorrow. All right? All right, moving on. Stop having so <laughs> pretty much hot, spicy. Pretty spicy. It's pretty spicy. If you want to, If you want to have some, some real spice, though – of your life. Try bomb banana. All right. New hot sauce developed by Charlie Moss's brother and his friends at the university of Michigan, uh, during the pandemic, um, banana based, not banana flavored. I think that's a huge part of it. That's what makes it so damn good. Um, go to, uh, seek the That's seek the all one word today. And you can receive 10% off your first order. All right. By using the promo code leaf. That's L E A F like on a tree at checkout bomb banana hot sauce everybody take a try all right we're going to get into this i just wanted to reference it the supreme court with a nine to zero ruling and a pretty significant uh uh, you know tongue lashing by justice kavanaugh to the ncaa around what they've been doing uh capping what student athletes can receive by way of education related payments and benefits what does that mean for the NIL? Well, it could it could mean the end of amateurism. Now, it doesn't mean anything yet, but this is a very significant step with the Supreme Court fully on the side of this and how illegal Justice Kavanaugh was saying it was in terms of business and antitrust law. We're going to get into that a little bit more on Wednesday, hopefully bringing on an expert who can explain it to us a little bit better so we can talk to you, the audience, more about what this means for college athletics moving forward. All right. Before we get out of here, uh, let's uh, let's do uh, a little uh, Q&A. Uh, we asked the question, are you happy with the Final Four? I didn't necessarily get your guys' answers, um, but are you guys happy with the Final Four that we have right now? Uh, I am, personally, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm all about fresh blood, as they say. Um, I, the Suns are incredibly fun. If, if Chris Paul can make it back, they're even more deadly, and they already picked up game one without him. Um, 
the Clippers, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens to the Clippers. But the Clippers, the Clippers and the Suns, more or less, have been the bottom of the NBA, more or less, for decades, each of them. And now they each have a potential opportunity to get to the finals. The Bucks are interesting. Obviously, Giannis and Middleton are playing great, kind of off and on. But they just got past who should have been the runaway favorite or was the runaway favorite in the uh, in the playoffs so far, got past the Nets. And they are getting over the hump themselves. Two-time MVP, finally getting an opportunity. And the Hawks, in my opinion, are are my favorite team to watch. Just Trey Young shooting like 11% or something horrendous, and they're still in all of these games. And then he comes up late, and they're having these extra, you know, nobodies, quote-unquote, coming up when it matters. That's that's a nice, scrappy team. They're a five-seed, lowest seed in the NBA Finals still, or NBA playoffs, I should say. Still uh, love that team. So I'm absolutely pumped on it. Uh, and again, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Reminder: first time in ten years, no LeBron, no Steph in the playoffs. Yeah, I love it. I love all four teams. Anybody who says that there deserves to be an asterisk for anybody that should not be taken seriously deserves to be stripped of their platform and can go watch like lacrosse or something because they don't know what they're talking about with the NBA. Um, the Bucks are going to win in five against the Hawks. I, the Suns are an inspired squad. I think they'll drop the next one at home, and from then on, it's gonna. I think this will be a seven-game series. I really do. Um, it's gonna be really fun. So I don't know who we're gonna see out of the West. I'm really happy for both teams. I'm excited for both teams. The storylines are good for both teams. Um, but I have a feeling we're gonna see Giannis and the Bucks and a brand new inspired squad out of the East, and uh, and they're gonna be the toughest team to beat. I think in of the final four teams. Uh, and from our audience members, the only only. Uh viewer our buddy eric davidson he was the only one that actually uh, commented on that question of the day love the final four great to see me too oh, I, i'm really ha i'm really uh happy for for the final four i'm also happy i don't know if any of you guys saw this today but the stock market freaking was gangbusters everybody we love when uh that returns to normal normality for for those who are inching closer to retirement those iras are growing age. baby those iras are growing I just moved my 401k from the NFL to my private uh, uh, financial advisor. Huge move on my part because, you know. So none of us should trust the NFL with our money is what you're saying? Don't fucking trust your money with the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> they have a huge 401k plan. I mean, like billions of dollars. But, I mean, they're not, you know, they're not, they're not they don't care about my measly little amount in there. My financial advisor does, and, and he'll make it. He'll make it. Uh, he'll make it grow. He'll make it grow. Let's put it that way. Um, we'll really get into uh, the Supreme Court ruling on Wednesday when you guys join us from twelve thirty to one thirty. Follow the RDL Show on Twitter and Instagram at the RDL Show hashtag RDL Show and subscribe to the Ryan D Leaf Show on YouTube. Listen via podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. If you can't catch us live, it's the best way to listen to us on your drive home or when you're sitting around relaxing at night with this conversation. We'll see you on Wednesday. Um, thanks to uh, Jonathan and Sky and everybody again for making this a reality as always. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.